Well, hey everyone, my name is Steven and I am one of the pastors here at Journey Church. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to this message. We pray that this helps you on your walk with Jesus, but also that it encourages you to get plugged into a local community of believers. Hey, if 2020 taught us anything, it's that being isolated from others is not how God intended us to live. So be sure to use this resource in conjunction with being plugged into your local church. Hey, we hope you enjoy this message from God's Word. Good morning. It is good to see you. It has been a while since I have been up here preaching, but I'm back now. I expected thunderous applause, but uh, okay, thank you. Yes, thank you. Uh, <clears throat> you may have wondered why I have not been up here preaching. Uh, a couple of reasons why. One is that... Um, we are just finishing up our seventh year of existence here as a church, and in our seventh year, uh, pastoral staff who've been here for seven years are able to take a sabbatical. And so I was on sabbatical for this uh, for the past uh, few weeks, and uh, originally the purpose of being on sabbatical is we were going to go to Israel, uh, Jennifer and I, and see the, see the country, but because of the situation and the way things are and the requirements of the country, we decided we were not going to go this time. So we're hoping in a future time that we are going to go to Israel. But it also gave a wonderful opportunity for Pastor Stephen, Pastor Dave, and Pastor Chris to be able to share and grow in their ability to speak God's word. And I think all of them did a phenomenal job. And I, I feel like, um, yeah, you can applaud that. <clears throat> So if anything ever tragically happened to me after a suitable period of sadness and mourning across the congregation, the uh, church would just continue on just like normal. So I'm sure that it's mixed emotions for some of you having me back because you maybe some of you are excited for that to happen, but others of you may say, oh great, now we have to sit through long sermons again. And I heard the announcement, Chris, so because of that, today's message will be an hour and a half long. Uh, just, just, and I can just ad lib all kinds of uh, things throughout this message today. Uh, actually, today we are going to be turning to something that I didn't plan to do. I had a different message that I had planned for today, and a couple of days ago, I changed it to Acts chapter 27. Just a standalone message. There's something incredible about the Word of God, how literal stories in the Word of God also give metaphorical and spiritual stories about our lives here today. We can connect with the Bible in a way that's remarkable because the Bible is a timeless book and the messages that are written and the stories that are given are uh, for everyday life. And that's what we're going to see in this story about being shipwrecked in Acts chapter 27. Now next week I'm going to do the same thing. I'm not going to talk about Acts 27, but I want to talk about the story of David and Goliath next week. And I'm going to look at it from a little bit different perspective than perhaps you have looked at it before because again, it communicates a timeless message even though it was an event that literally happened thousands of years ago. We're going to look today at Acts chapter 27 with this message called Shipwrecked and the subtitle of the message is Overcoming the Storms of Life or how you and I can overcome the storms that may be in our lives today or the storms perhaps that are coming our way. 
So we're going to look at this biblical event, this literal event. We're going to read the, read the entire chapter in a story format. And I want to give you, as we go through this chapter, three life lessons about how to overcome the storms in life or things that we need to be aware of as we go through life together. Let's pray as we begin and ask for God to bless this time. Father, as we open your word, I pray that you would have your way among us. I pray, Lord, that your word would speak directly to our hearts, that you would pierce our hearts with the truth of your word. Lord, there may be a call for some of us to repent. There may be a call for some of us to be encouraged by you. There may be a call for some of us to learn how to persevere in you. Whatever it is today, Lord, have your way among us and speak your truth. And I pray, Lord, that you would be here, that we would sense your presence, that we would sense your spirit. I pray, Lord, for our brothers and sisters who are suffering in the persecuted church around the world today. We pray for those believers in, in, in Afghanistan right now that are fearing for their lives. We can't even fathom what that's like, Lord, but be with them, help them, sustain them, and protect them. For those believers that are in Africa today that are, again, fearing for their lives. For those that are going to be losing their lives today for your name's sake, we pray, Lord, that you would be with them and give them grace. Comfort them and bring them into your presence where they will enjoy eternity with you. Father, for this time now, be here and be our teacher. It is in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, the story today is at the end of the book of Acts. If you have not ever read through the book of Acts, I would highly encourage you to do so. Um, I put a devotional series on our YouTube channel, Walking Through the Book of Acts, if you want to use that as a help in going through that story. At the end of the book of Acts, chapter 27, is where Paul is on his final journey. He is going from being in, uh, he was in Jerusalem, he was taken to Caesarea, and then he was going to be taken by boat over into Rome and stand before Caesar. He was going on his last journey. The uh, first three journeys that he had was a spreading the gospel message. It was a loop that he had done, but this time he is going and his life will be ended at the end of this trip as he stands before Caesar. It won't be ended immediately. He'll have some time of ministry left, but he will die there in Rome. As we get to the end of that point, he tells the story of a, a literal event that happened in his life of being shipwrecked. Now, I want you to start thinking of this story as a metaphor for what life can be like. Because you see, there are times in all of our lives that we find ourselves feeling shipwrecked. We feel like we have been taken down by the storms that have hit us. The waves are pounding, the wind is blowing, there is a hurricane force event that is happening over us, and we feel like we're going down, and in the midst of that, God is still there. Let's look at this story together, and let's look at three life lessons that we can learn during a shipwreck. Here's what it says, starting in verse 1 of chapter 27. Paul writes these words, when it was decided that we should sail for Italy... They handed Paul and some other prisoners over to a centurion named Julius of the Augustan cohort. So we boarded a ship from uh, Adramoteum, which was about to sail to the ports along the coast of Asia. And when we set out to sea, accompanied by Aristohaus, 
a Macedonian from Thessalonica. Now, here's the picture of what that would have been like. This is the map that he was on. The final big red line on the bottom was where he was going. This is where they were taking him. And so he started over here in Caesarea, and he went up the coast in, by ship all the way up to uh, Lycia, then over to Crete, and then he is going to go from Fair Havens in Crete all the way across and be shipwrecked in this little island of Malta. So get your bearings. He is crossing. They are crossing open water during this time. And it was a rough time of the year. So let's keep going. The next day, we sat down at Sidon. Julius, treating Paul kindly, he was the one who was keeping watch over Paul on the ship. Because Paul was a good prisoner, he just let him go to visit his friends when they got to Sidon. When we were there, he received some care. Setting out to the sea from there, we sailed under the shelter of Cyprus. It's actually pronounced Kupras in the Greek, but it's Cyprus because the winds were against us. When we had sailed across the open sea along the coast of Sicilia or Kilikia is how it's pronounced, in Pamphylia, we came down to Mura in Lucia. There the centurion found a ship from Alexandra sailing for Italy and put us on board. Now sailing slowly for a number of days with difficulty, we made it to Nidos. We sailed under the shelter of Crete or Crete off Salmone, coasting along it with difficulty. We came to a place called Fair Havens near the city of Lysiah. Since considerable time had passed and the voyage had already become dangerous because the fast had already gone by. Now, what is he referring to? He's referring to the fast that happened in the fall. That is the Feast of Trumpets. That is the Day of Atonement called Yom Kippur, which is going to happen this week, by the way, in the Jewish calendar. And then the Feast of Tabernacles. Those were already passed. So now we are probably a month away from them. So this is probably about the fall, maybe October of the time that Paul is on this voyage. Because the fast had already happened, it was dangerous times to be traveling. In fact, we probably shouldn't be on ship right now because this is the time that the storms get the most intense. Because the fast had already gone by, Paul kept warning them, telling them, men, I can see that the voyage is about to end in disaster and great loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. But the centurion was persuaded more by the pilot and the captain of the ship than by what, uh, by what uh, was said by Paul. And because the harbor was unsuitable uh, for wintering, the majority reached a decision to set out from sea uh, to set to set up uh, to see from there if somehow they might reach Phoenix, which is pronounced Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, facing northeast and southeast, and spend the winter there. I want to stop right there, and I want to talk about the first life lesson that you need to learn in a storm. The first life lesson is this: number one, listen to God's leading. When you are facing life, listen to God's leading. Now, I want to go back just a second and look at a verse, the beginning of this set of verses. Look what it says. 
it says, now remember, Paul had just said this. He said, guys, this is a bad idea. I know what I'm talking about. Listen to me. If you do not listen to me, we are going to lose all of the cargo. We're going to lose the ship and possibly even lose our lives. But the centurion was persuaded more by the pilot and the captain of the ship than by what was said by Paul. In life, every one of us listen to voices. Now, I'm not talking about those of you that are crazy that have voices in your head. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about we all listen to the influence of voices in our lives. And we are persuaded by the voices that have the most power over us. Many people, instead of listening to God's leading, listen to their own leading. How many can identify with this statement? The statement is this. Almost every problem that I have had since I became a Christian was because I refused to listen to or obey God's voice. How many of you can identify with that? That's my statement. That is a literal statement from my life. The majority of problems that I have had in my life after I became a Christian was because I did not listen to, heed, or obey God's voice. Instead, I was persuaded by something different. I was persuaded by, perhaps, friends instead of what God said. I was persuaded by what the latest YouTube video was rather than what God's word says. Maybe you're a person who says, I am more persuaded by Trump than I am the word of God. Maybe there are others of you that would say, I'm more persuaded by Biden than I am the word of God though I hope not. <laughs> Maybe there are some of you that would say, I am more persuaded by Fox News than I am in what God's word says. Others would say, I am more persuaded by what CNN says than what God's word says. We all listen to voices in our lives. It's the voice that you will give power in your life that will ultimately persuade you. In my life, I have made so many choices that I regret today because I jumped ahead of God and hoped he would bless the situation rather than listening to God and obeying what he says and waiting on him. We jump ahead of God saying, God, you catch up and you bless rather than doing what it says in Psalm chapter 27, verse 14. Wait for the Lord. Wait for Adonai. Be strong, let your heart take courage and wait for Adonai. Instead of doing that, we just jump ahead. We plow ahead. But I don't want to wait on God. I want it now. Have you seen that J.G. Wentworth commercial? It's my money and I want it now. It's kind of how we approach God. This is what I want. I hope you'll bless it. You better bless it. I expect you to bless it. I want it now. So we don't listen and we don't wait when it comes to our finances, when it comes to the jobs that we do, when it comes to the decisions that we make, even down to when it comes to the relationships that we have. I'll never forget meeting with a young woman who was interested in, in marrying the guy that she was dating. This young woman was uh, intelligent. She was beautiful. But she was a dating a guy that I would use the clinical term 
Uh, he was a loser. That, that's what I would say about him. This guy was I, just a He was a jerk. And she was dating him. And she wanted to marry him. And I said to her repeatedly, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? Did God say this is okay? Has God blessed this? This person is not a Christian, so you're going to be unequally yoked. This person is very selfish and, in fact, a narcissist. If you marry this person, you will regret it and have problems in your life. And it reminded me of what Paul said. Don't do this. If we go forward with this, it's going to cost all of our cargo. It's going to cost the ship, and it may even cost our lives. And I said to this young, beautiful, intelligent woman, don't do this. You are going to regret it. So what did she do? Did she listen to me? Absolutely not. She went ahead and did what she wanted to do. And she married this guy. Two years later, they have a, a little child. Their life is a mess. And she is then filing for divorce. And now it's going to be shared custody with this guy the rest of the time raising this child. Why? Because she did not listen to reason. She didn't listen to the voice of God. Now, I'm not saying I was the voice of God, but God, I think, was using me in that situation. If she read God's word, she would realize that this is not okay. If she took time and actually sought God's leading, she would have realized this is a problem. There are so many decisions that we make in life that we don't include God in the mix. Now, I'm going to uh, touch on a, a very controversial topic right now, and that is the vaccine. I don't care what your stance is on the vaccine. I don't care. You could be pro-vaccine. You could be anti-vaccine. I really don't care. What I do care about is this. How much time did you spend seeking God's leading when it comes to the decision that you made whether you are for it or against it. Most of us just jump ahead in one way or another without saying, God, what is it that you want? What is your leading? What is okay with you? Taking the time to spend the hours, the days, the weeks, the months, even the years to say, God, what is your leading in my life? Paul knew what God's leading was. And this is why Paul gave this warning. Now, why would Paul know what God's leading is? And that is because Paul was someone who was filled with the Spirit of God. He was somebody who was led by the Spirit of God. And he was someone who was empowered from the Spirit of God. How did Paul know this was going to end bad? Because he was directed entirely in his life by the leading of the Holy Spirit. You see, you and I can be that same person. We can be filled with the Spirit. When you accept Christ into your life, you do receive the Spirit of God. But the problem is, you don't give yourself entirely to the Spirit of God. You have the Spirit, but you haven't surrendered yourself entirely to the Spirit. Instead, you compartmentalize God and say, God, you stay over here in your box and I will run the rest of the show. Instead of saying, I will let you run the show and I will follow your leading. 
The reason Paul knew is he had incredible insight. He had incredible wisdom because he had listened to God. He was filled by God. He was empowered through God. And instead of saying, it's my life and I want it now, he said, God, what is it that you want? And because he was so in tune with the Holy Spirit, he was able to give that warning about how they should be listening to God instead of moving forward. But they were more persuaded by the other voices, by the captain, rather than what Paul had to say, even though Paul was speaking the words of God. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, actually 1 through 6, it says this. My son, if you accept my words and you treasure my commandments within you, making your ear attentive to wisdom, inclining your heart to discernment. Yes, if you call out for insight, lifting up your voice for discernment, if you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, then you will know the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For Adonai gives wisdom out of his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Proverbs 3, 5, it says, Trust in Adonai with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And so why do we face storms? They're not always this way, but a lot of times it's this way. It's just because I don't listen to God. I shoot myself in the foot. I wreck my life. Because I refuse to just wait on and listen to the Lord's leading. So in this situation, in this shipwreck, it did not have to happen if they had merely listened to what God was saying. But they did not listen. They could not listen. They refused to listen. And when you refuse to listen and you don't listen, you receive the consequences of not listening. Let's keep going. Here's the rest, uh, continuation of the story. When the south wind blew gently, supposing that they had, had obtained their purpose, they raised the anchor and started coasting along the shore of Crete. But before long, a hurricane force wind called the Northeaster swept down from the island. When the ship was caught and they could not face into the wind, we gave way to it and were just driven along. You ever been at that stage of life? that the wind has hit you in, with intensity. This is hurricane force winds. It has hit you with intensity. You can't go against it, so you're just gonna go with it now. The waves are gigantic, and there's nothing we can do but go along for the ride. Well, that's what was happening in this situation. Never forget going to, um, to the Gulf of Mexico with my father-in-law, my brother-in-law, and one of their relatives down in the Gulf. This relative had a small fishing boat, and he decided he wanted to take us out fishing for the day. It's about a 26-foot boat, and we went out in the Gulf of Mexico. We went about, about 10 miles offshore to the point that you could not see land once you got out there. There was an oil platform that he wanted us to fish by. So we got to that oil platform. We tied the boat up to the platform, and it was a hot, sunny day in the middle of summer in the Gulf of Mexico. As we were fishing, the, wa the waves started to get a little bit higher. And you could see that something was going on because the waves were getting a little bit higher. 
We were there fishing, and we were using little, these little squid to be able to fish, and they smelled horrible. And so with the sun beating down, the waves starting to move, and the smell of the squid, it was just not a good time of day. We decided it was time to go. We need to get going back to shore. And so we untied from the oil platform, started motoring back toward, toward the port, as we were doing so, off to the west, we could see this gigantic storm that was rolling in. There were clouds, just a bank of clouds coming toward us. The sky was getting grayer and grayer. You could see lightning off in the distance. You could see the, uh, the rain falling. The waves were just starting to pick up and toss us everywhere. We kept trying to motor toward shore, and I remember these sites. Now, we should have put life jackets on in retrospect. We never did. I don't know why. Um, I don't trust my father-in-law still to this day because of that decision. But we should have put life vests on. We were there in that small little boat, and I remember coming down to the bottom of the wave and looking ahead of us and seeing a wall of water and looking behind us and seeing a wall of water. And you would get up to the top of the wave and you could kind of see, but then you would get into the valley of the wave and you couldn't see anything around you. It was intense. It was scary. It was fear-producing. And that, in my mind, is kind of like a small version of the picture that Paul and his crew were going over. You see, in your life, you may have had the same thing. You have had peaks and valleys, and all you can see before you and behind you is a wall of water, and the storm has approached. Let's keep going. As we ran under the shelter of a small island called Kauda, we were barely able to get control of the dinghy. When the crew had hoisted it up, they made use of the ropes to undergird the ship. So they passed the ropes underneath the ship, trying to keep the ship held together. Then fearing they might run aground on the surtis. Now, what are surtis? That's, that's the shifting sands. It's quicksand, essentially. They were afraid they were going to hit that. So they let down the anchor and so were driven along. The anchor wouldn't hold. They just kept pushing them along. But as we were violently battered by the storm, the next day they began throwing cargo overboard. I want you to keep that thought in the back of your mind. On the third day... They threw out the ship's gear with their own hands, with neither sun nor stars appearing for many days, and no small storm pressing on us. All hope of our survival was vanishing. This thing had become so intense that I have no hope that we are going to get through this. As they had been without food, Paul stood up in their midst and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not sailed to Crete, Crete to avoid this disaster and loss. I just, I, I just got to make a quick comment on that. I kind of like that thing that Paul just said. Because to me, Paul was saying this. I told you so. I told you so. Why are you here? Because I told you so. Don't you find a little bit of joy in the moments in life when you can say, I told you so? It's not always helpful. It's not always the most biblical thing to say, but maybe it is because it's right here in this story where you can say to your wife or to your husband, I told you so. You can say to your kids, I told you so. 
you should have listened to God. Now, you use that however you want to in life. I don't care. It's just a little bit of a guilty pleasure. Paul says this, yet now, I urge you to take heart. I told you we shouldn't have gone out here. I told you it was going to be bad. But there is hope. I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there came to me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve. He said, do not fear, Paul. You must stand before Caesar, and indeed God has granted all who are sailing with you. So take heart, men, for I trust God that it will be exactly as I have been told, but we must run aground on some island. That's life lesson number two. Lesson number two is this. Problems do have a purpose. Problems do have a purpose. There are two types of problems in life. There's one that, the type that is self-inflicted. I have caused this myself. Then there's the other type that is God-ordained. Regardless of what type of problem you're facing, God has a purpose. Now, what is the purpose of that problem? Well, the purpose is often this. In the problems of life, God will strip away everything that doesn't matter. Life's troubles have a way of stripping away things that don't matter. What were they doing in the midst of that storm? Tossing all of the possessions overboard. Have you ever found it to be true that when you go through hard times, it's a realization that the stuff just doesn't matter? I just don't care about it anymore. Money is not my motivation anymore. The material possessions are not the motivation anymore. The problems of life have a way of stripping away everything that doesn't matter. God is more concerned about who you are becoming than whether or not your life is comfortable. And so God will often allow problems to strip away the things in life that just do not matter. They start throwing everything overboard. They start getting rid of the things that they have been dragging with them because they realize that their lives are far more important than the stuff that they have. Dr. James Dobson once said this about that particular topic. He said, there are three things that matter in life. Those who you love, those who love you, and where you're going when you die. Everything else is just superficial. Have you had the problems of life strip away the things in your life that just don't matter? Let's keep going with the story. Now, when the 14th night had come, can you imagine, by the way, being in that situation for 14 days and nights? Man, As we were drifting across the Adriatic Sea about midnight, the sailors began to sense that they were nearing some land. So they took soundings and found that the water was 20 fathoms deep. A bit farther along, they took another sounding and found it was 15 fathoms deep. Fearing that we might run aground on the rocks, they threw out four anchors from the stern. They were longing for day to come. Now the sailors were trying to escape from the ship and had lowered the dinghy into the sea, pretending that they were going to go out uh, and put out the anchors from the bow. Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men remain on the ship, you can't be saved. We're all in this together. 
You can't bail and jump ship right now. We are all in this mess together. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the dinghy and let it drift away. As day was about to dawn, Paul urged them all to take some food, saying, Today is the 14th day that you have kept waiting and going without food, having taken nothing. Nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take some food, for this is for your survival, since not one of, your, so, since not one of you will lose a hair from his head. And when he had said these things, he took bread, he gave thanks to God before them all, broke it, and began to eat. Then all were encouraged and took some food themselves. In all, we were 276 persons on the ship. That brings us to life lesson number three. Number one, listen to God's leading. Number two, problems have a purpose. Number three is this, worship instead of worry. Now, I believe that that could be one of the most significant things that we can practice in our lives. Worship instead of worry. Now, it was the middle of the night. It was a panic. There was dread. There was fear. They were afraid that they were going to run ground. It was the darkest of times. Paul really spoke to them and said, look, it's your foolishness that God is here. But nevertheless, God is bigger than this situation. He is bigger than this storm. And Paul demonstrates by what he does the act of worship rather than the act of worrying. Now, I want to point out two phrases to you that I read from this story in this little section. The first one was this, as day was about to dawn. Have you ever noticed that in the Bible, hope often is related to as a dawning moment? It happens many times. When the times are darkest, dawn always represents hope. There was a famous scene in the Lord of the Rings movie, the second one called The Two Towers. And in this scene, Gandalf is coming to the aid of the people that are in the darkest moment of their lives. And he had warned them and said to them ahead of time, look for me to be coming at dawn on the third day. And you see this incredible scene of him with an army up on the top of the hill as the light begins to break. And all of a sudden, now there is hope. When dawn happens, there is hope. It says of Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 that the people sitting in darkness have seen a great light. And those sitting in the region and shadow of death... Upon them, a light has dawned. Do you know when the woman was caught in adultery and brought before Jesus? Do you know the moment of time that that happened? It says that it happened at dawn. The darkest time in her life. And it happened at dawn where she received hope. Your storm will have a dawn but you may be in a dark time before the dawn comes. I believe with all of my heart that the world is in darkness and it's not gonna get better. The world is in a sense of darkness and it's gonna keep getting darker until Jesus returns. And when Jesus returns, there will be dawning. The light will come. The hope will happen. 
There is always a dawn to the storms, but sometimes we have to wade through pretty intense darkness. I want you to notice another phrase that he says. Not one of you will lose a hair from his head. Now, I know this has more deeper meaning to most of you than it does to me. But God has promised you won't lose a hair. What is that? That is the hope. It's going to get bad. It's going to get ugly. It's going to get brutal. And you can make a choice whether you want to worship or you want to worry. But you just need to know God is here. The dawn is coming. There is hope around the bend. When the dawn breaks, hope will happen and you will be saved. See, that's the hope that we have. The hope that we have of all of the mess of the world, the hope that our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan today have is that this world is not our home. There is hope. Even if they kill me, I will go to be with God for eternity. And there is much better than anything that we could possibly experience here. Even in the darkest times, there is hope right around the bend. Well, I need to wrap this up. Let's end this story with the final words that are recorded. When they had eaten enough, they began to lighten the ship, throwing the wheat into the sea. Then when daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they noticed a bay with a beach where they planned to run the ship aground if they could. So they cut off the anchors and let them into the sea while loosening the ropes of the rudders at the same time. Then hoisting, or hoisting the forward sail to the wind, they made it or they made for the beach. But they struck a sandbar between the seas and ran the ship aground. The bow stuck fast and remained immovable, and the stern began to break up by the pounding of the waves. The plan of the soldiers was just going to kill everybody, just kill the prisoners, so that none of them would escape by swimming away. But the centurion wanted to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those able to swim to throw themselves overboard first and get to the land and the rest to get there on boards and pieces of the ship. And notice the final phrase of this chapter. And in this way, all were brought safely to land. The shipwreck was over. Their time in the sea was over. Their time worrying was over. They were now saved. This picture, again, is the picture of life. It's a metaphor of life. Instead of listening to God's leading, often we jump ahead in our own plans and we fail to have God's blessing and we fail to do what God is asking us to do. When we do that, we are caught in the middle of this incredible storm. But in the middle of this incredible storm that we're in, we realize, though, that the problems that I have faced have a purpose. Now, whether I cause this myself or God has allowed this, there is a purpose behind this. When my wife was diagnosed with cancer and it was this huge battle, I didn't know what the purpose was, but the purpose of God was to bring us both to a place of surrender and ministry that he would use us for the rest of our lives. The problems have a purpose. And when you're in the middle of that storm, when you're on that boat that is being rocked to and fro, instead of worrying, choose to worship. I don't know how this lands on you, but I am guessing 
and assuming that every one of you is in one of those places today. You are either stepping back and saying, I'm going to listen to God's leading. I'm not going to jump ahead of him. I have done that, made that mistake. I'm going to step back and wait on the Lord. Until you say, go, God, I will not go. Until you say, move, I will not move. God, I am going to wait on what your leading is clearly for my life before I make any decisions. Others of you that are in the midst of a storm are realizing, though, that the problems that, they, that I've got really have a purpose. And they're really refining me and shaping me and changing me and making me into who God wants me to be. And others of us have to come to that place of choosing where we say to God, I will worship you rather than worry. Would you pray with me as we close? Father, I pray that... Uh, that this message would just land on each one of us the way that you intended. Whatever it is that we need to hear from you, whatever, whatever spot of life we are in, Lord, just speak to us. I believe, Lord, that there are some today that have been making some bad decisions. Maybe they have been jumping out ahead of you. Instead of listening to your leading, they are jumping forward with what they want to do. And maybe, Lord, today they need to have some conviction Maybe there needs to be a time of repentance where they say, God, I'm sorry for not listening to you. I want to listen to you. I don't want to go my own way. I want to follow what you say. There are others, Lord, that are in the midst of the storm today, and they're needing to realize that the problems do have a purpose. There's a reason I'm going through what I'm going through. There's a refining and a shaping that is taking place in my life. And yet others, Lord, have been prone to worry rather than worship you. And so in the midst of the storm, Lord, help us to not worry, to not fear, to not be in dread, instead to choose to worship. Father, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for the privilege that we have of coming together as a body of believers, of studying your word and worshiping you together. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to that message. We hope that it inspired you to trust the Lord, to treasure people, and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. If God is leading you to give to Journey, head to our website, journeychurchgillette.com, and hit the Give icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Your gift helps us to continue providing resources like this every single week. Also, be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website for updates and additional information. Hey, God bless you guys and have a great day.